Morning, family. How are you? Uh, over the last two or three weeks, we've been talking about the topic uh, entitled God managing or creating or developing his community. His, in the kingdom of God, we talked about his personal development, looked at Elijah for that. Now we're looking at Ephesians and talking about the way in which God is developing his, his kingdom, people, his church, those who are the evidence to the world of his presence and his power. So I, I want to talk about in this in these few chapters, uh, in these few verses, about the notion that alienation is banished. Now I'm not wanting to say to you that we're not allowed to have different ideas. We're not allowed to have different beliefs. I mean, some of us barrack for Carlton. Some of us don't barrack for Collingwood. Not going to get into trouble here, am I? No. Yes. All right. Sorry. Um, we're allowed to have different ideas, but in the community of God, those ideas are not allowed to alienate us from one another. They're, they need to be expressed in ways that are respectful and honourable, in ways that we challenge each other and we develop the maturity of our ideas and so on as a community. But what, what this reading is trying to say to us is lying at the heart of everything that we are as the people of God is that alienation between people is now banished in the church. In this place, there is not allowed to be any alienation. There is allowed to be different sets of ideas, but there is no place now for alienation. So let's, let's just talk about this for a minute. Uh, I, I think I need to say that alienation in our world is rife. You wouldn't, wouldn't you agree with me with all the wars that are happening around the place and all the na national stuff that's going on at the moment? In fact, it does seem that our world is, is uh, descending further and further into a crisis of relationship where people are attacking one another, conning one another, uh, doing all sorts of stuff uh, that's damaging to the whole world's economy, to the whole world's community. So alienation in our world is rife. We understand that. We know that. Paul's perspective, though, is that spiritual alienation, that's to say our alienation from God, lies at the root of all alienation. Until we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we don't have the capacity to build a relationship with other people that doesn't mean we're pushing our own agenda and trying to dominate them. Alienation, so far as Paul is concerned, is twofold. First of all, there's an alienation between the Jews and the Gentiles because the Jews saw themselves as God's people and said everybody else didn't belong. Uh, they were supposed to be the community that said to the people who didn't belong, Gentiles, that's you and me, look, let's lead you into the presence of the living God. We're here to be the evidence of his grace, the evidence of his mercy. Instead, they chose to say, no, 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 we're, we're superior. We have our rules and regulations that you don't know anything about and we obey those and we're superior. And Jesus says, uh, Paul says that Jesus was saying to us, between Jew and Gentile, there can be no alienation now. But this is the alienation that the world faces. Secondly, there's the alienation between Gentiles and God. God himself had set up a relationship between him and the Jews that was based on the law. But in relation to the Gentiles, you and I, there was no basis of relationship. No basis of our moving into a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
But Paul says to us, once you move into that relationship with Jesus Christ, once you give your heart into his company, once you eliminate alienation by saying that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Saviour, it opens up a whole new agenda of relationship issues, of things that you can do that you weren't able to do before. There is certainly for us a spiritual alienation from each other on the basis of race. Spiritual alienation from God, separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship of heaven. These are pretty demanding things, aren't they? Look at this. Spiritual alienation from God. Those who work in our world, those who live in our world and have not been prepared to build a relationship with Jesus Christ find this as the reality of their lives. They are separate from Christ. That's a choice. They are those who have been excluded from the citizenship of heaven because the citizenship of heaven comes in the, on the basis of our relationship with Jesus Christ. So we Gentiles who have not come into a relationship with Jesus Christ find ourselves in this situation. Foreigners to the covenant of the promise, the second covenant, foreigners to the fact that Jesus has said, I gave my life for you, I died for you, I love you, I want to draw you back into a relationship with God which was where you started foreigners to that promise gentiles in our world that's us unless we come into a relationship with jesus christ and other things are possible we're without hope meander through the world believing that we're achieving the things that are important for us but discovering that at the end they were hollow and of no value at all wondering at the end of the world end of our lives did i achieve anything was anything worth anything and the answer is, why should I not commit suicide? It was a philosophical stance of one atheist. Without God, I don't know how people can live their lives now without a relationship with Jesus. I, I mean, his guidance in my life and in his clarity about where to go and his, this, this relationship that we walk on and have a chat every now and then as we're walking down the road... I don't know how people can live without that. But Paul is saying to the Ephesians, when you build your church, the foundation you need to understand is that Gentiles who have no relationship with God are in this situation. But now. Paul says, but now. In Jesus, God himself is reached down and swept away alienation. In Jesus Christ, God said to the world, I now step into the world, I take on your form, I take on your character and I will die on the cross to eliminate the relationship issues that you are facing if you come to me and build a relationship with me. That is now swept away on the basis of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross and his resurrection. So this now makes you and me, and we're talking about this church, this church in the parameters of this building and those who are, who are watching, this church, this is what makes you and me. This is the foundation stuff of what the kingdom church is supposed to be, a free person. Secondly, a new person. 
Thirdly, a family person. Fourthly, it makes us people of the Spirit. How do we live our lives? In the church, the Spirit is the leading guide and the one who directs our paths right the way through life. So let's look at these. This is what Paul is saying in this reading that we've had a look at from, uh, from Ephesians. We are, first of all, a free person, free of all the burdens of life, free of all the difficulties we've faced, free of all the sin that we have committed in the past, free of all the shadows in our life that cause us pain and hurt and difficulty because we wish it wasn't so, but we can't do anything about it. It's gone. He says, I take the stuff out of your backpack. I remove it. Take it to the cross. It's gone. Once there was no way back, now God has created a new race of human beings. That's this church. Not just talking to the Ephesians. God has created a new race. We are brand new. We are not patched up. When the Lord deals with us, he doesn't say, oh, well, I'll patch over that bit. You'll remember it for the rest of your life, but don't worry about it. It's okay. He says, no, no, I will heal you completely. I will heal you and turn you into a new person. We are a new race of human beings, not superior human beings, but human beings under the authority of Jesus Christ. Separation is dissolved. I don't know whether you read that note that I put in the, in the bulletin. Have you anybody, any of you read that yet? Let me tell you about it. A pastor friend of mine went to uh, the United States and um, uh, to a conference down in South America, Southern America somewhere. Uh, he went down there and uh, went into the conference and it was a big conference, a lot of people, a lot of American uh, pastors, black and white. He sat down next to a group of uh, black pastors um, who were very respectful of him, but he didn't know anybody, so he sat down. And he became friends with them, and over the period of the, of the conference, he became particularly good friends with the bloke he sat next to. And they talked a lot. And every now and then, there would, there would be this titter around the place. And so he couldn't figure out what caused people to giggle. So he said to the bloke sitting next to him, his mate that he'd made, he said, what's, what's going on? And uh, he said, oh, you don't pick it up, but those are in-jokes intended to embarrass black pastors. And uh, he, he couldn't believe that. In a conference of the people of God, there were those who would say things and do things that would irritate those who were sitting next to them. So uh, once the conference was finished, he said to the, um, his friend said to him, hey, how about you come preach at my church? And he said, oh, I'd love to. So he went and preached at his church and his, uh, it, it, the pastor said, well, I'll tell you what, you come and we'll put you up in a hotel and, and you can come and preach in the church, we'll pick you up. And he said, well, um, I, I don't know, it's up to you, but if you've got a spare bedroom, I'm more than happy to come and sleep at your place and meet the family. Isn't that what we would say? Yeah. The, uh, the uh, black pastor was somewhat taken aback, but he said, oh, that, that's, that's fine then. So he came, into the, uh, he came into the pastor's house, had a good time with the family, went to preach in the service. And after the service, he preached his usual good, he was a good preacher. Uh, after the service, he discovered that everybody, as he walked down the aisle, everybody had come to that, come to that aisle and wanted to shake his hand. He said to his friend at the end of the service, because he wasn't sure what was going on, he said, what, what was happening? 
He said, oh, we've had a number of white speakers in this church before, but no one has ever been prepared to stay overnight with our pastor. Southern America, alienation rules with black people. Now, what a wicked thing. What a wicked thing. Alienation on the basis of separation on the basis of race. There's a long history and maybe they don't understand what they're doing, but it's not good enough. Separation, so far as Paul is concerned, is totally dissolved. In the new society, Christ himself becomes the criteria. He is my brother. He is the Indian fellow's brother next door to me or the South African. And so because he is my brother and God is my father, genealogically we have to say that we are family together and that we, when we go to the cross, when we die in the end, at the foot of the cross, we're kneeling there next to one another of those who with all sorts of faces and, and languages and all that sort of stuff, praising God in, in, in heaven language. Alienation has been banished. In this church, there cannot be any alienation. Secondly, we are free to love God and to be loved by him. We are thrown into that relationship which didn't exist before we came to faith in Jesus Christ and now we move on into a behavioural stance which means that our lives are now guided and built upon the very thing that caused us to be born in the first place. God created us. Now he, on his resurrection, has drawn us into a, a relationship with himself now which is personal which we walk through life with. We talk to him. We love him. He speaks to us. He guides us. He helps us. He cares for us. We are free to love and be loved. Do you feel unloved at the moment? I need to ask you, if you feel unloved at the moment, you need to look at what's going on. Because I can tell you there is one who's set things up for you to be loved through eternity doesn't matter what you do, what you've done. He heals that. He's concerned with your future. To live our lives in concert with him, to live the kind of lives he wants for us, to be able to dedicate uh, the, the, uh, the gentleman who's just passed away lived his life for Jesus, didn't he? Lived his life for Jesus. And he had the capacity to do that because Jesus, by his spirit, lived in him and empowered him to think, to feel, to know clearly what Jesus was saying. See, this is an intimate, active, dynamic relationship that he pulls us into when we come into a relationship with him. And he says, this is how the world now works. It's on the basis of my character now. It's on the basis of my love now, not yours. We are here to view others as in Christ. When I came into this church as senior pastor, I was, I was given the keys to the church. <laughs> they gave me entrance to everything. I could have unlocked everything, pinched everything and gone. <laughs> I'm not likely to do that. And, and folk greeted me with a hug. Why? We don't dare to do that out there. Why? Because I'm a brother. I'm a brother in Jesus Christ. You already know me. You already know my character. You already know my purpose. We greet each other with love and concern and gentleness. 
and we smile at one another, we talk to one another, to, to view each other as in Christ Jesus. We are a new person. We are the Jesus person. Among these people, there are no differences despite what we can see. We ought to be prepared to be able to say what we see is to our advantage. It adds dimensions to our church. It adds experience to our church. It adds a delightful tone to our church. We might not understand each other completely, but we're in this together. They might have a different language. They might have a different appearance. They might have a different culture. They might have different food. But that does not alienate us from them. Rather, it draws us to them. Do you like Indian food? Yes, I do. Like Asian food? Yes, I've still got Richard to teach me how to use chopsticks properly. But he is my best friend now. We're on the pastoral team together. We work together. We have coffees together. We share together. We pray together. And I'm learning, looking to learn how to use chopsticks. There is no alienation on the basis of any of those. Any of those, there can be no alienation. We are a new creation. He's made it possible for the scars of our past to be dealt with forever. And on the, on the basis of our scars to having been dealt with forever, our lives to go forward with fruitfulness. A new power reigns. Jesus, the Lord of the universe, reigns in our lives and gives us the opportunity to be who we're supposed to be. We are a family person. No longer are we individuals. No longer are we just people who travel the road on our own hoping that others around us will see who we are and believe that we're okay. When I stepped into this community, I accessed a new family. Every time I've stepped into an interim pastor position, whether it be any of the ones that I've done, I won't mention any of them, I am there a brother. The women know they can trust me. The men know that I can shake their hands and whilst we might have different opinions about football teams and stuff, we're all in this together. We are family. Now, I don't know about you, but the most precious thing to me in my life is my family. My three kids, my wife, and the kids' spouses and their kids. And we're, There are 12 of us and we have a party on our back deck every now and then. And that's the most precious thing for me. Well, when I come into this place, thank you, family. That's why I call you family when I stand up. Thank you. I've only been around the place for months, but I belong You've been around the place for a long time and you belong. This is not a matter of individuals getting their way in this church. This is on the basis of the family doing the right thing in this church. This is on the basis of the family listening to the master of the family and being prepared to follow on what he's doing and being able to say, yes, we belong. We're in this together. We're a family person. We are fellow citizens. We get into trouble, we help each other. We get into trouble, we ring up somebody and say, hey, listen, can you help me with this? I've got this going on. I can't quite deal with it. Can you help me? Somebody from the church says, oh, yeah, I can do that, and so-and-so else can help too. We are built as a building on Jesus. Now, 
there are in this church so many people of different talents and different abilities and different strengths and different backgrounds that we are matched together as brickwork. And he puts the brickwork in the right place, having the right people in the right strategic place and says, now I want you to travel together on the basis of the way I've gifted you. I will put gifts in you on the basis of my spirit and combine them all together, recognise in each other what, what the gifting is. At the moment we're going through a process for the uh, AGM of, of trying to discern under God who might be elders in the church trying to discern who might be leaders on the, uh, on, on the church council, trying to discern what God is saying to us about those who might be up here leading worship and other things. That's the process. Different parts of the building put together in different ways. He helps us live together. No alienation. He helps us live together. We get to express different opinions, but we do it in such a way that doesn't damage other people. We're, we're obliged to express our differences. That's part of the team. But we've got to do it with character in such a way that nobody is damaged as a result of it. You see, a new power indoors us. Paul is saying, if you want to be my community, if you want me, if you want to be the people of Jesus as the new community of God in the kingdom of God, this power becomes significant to you. We're the people of the Spirit. None of those things that I've talked about can be done without the strength, without the strength of the Spirit of God operating in our lives. When people express different opinions to mine, it's very easy for me to get uptight. It's very different. Very easy for me to get just a little bit cranky. Is it? Is that with you? How do you manage that? How do you cope with that? I mean, they're just crass examples. A new power reigns. And now, on the basis of the strengths of the Spirit of God in our lives, we operate as a church. This is brand new. But when Paul was teaching the Ephesians about this, they had no idea about any of this stuff. He was saying to them, this is how it now operates. You're not with rabbis anymore. You're not in the temple anymore. You're not doing any of that stuff anymore. This is new. And they're saying, yeah, we know. We don't know how to do it. And he says, well, I'll tell you what. There's a new power among you. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Did you know he's here? You know the Spirit of God is here now. Can you feel his presence? Can you sense his presence in the middle of worship? Let me ask you a question. Where the Spirit is, is that not also where Jesus and the Father are? Is there ever any evidence in the Scriptures of them being ripped apart so the Spirit's over here and Father's over there? I want to say to you, that the Spirit may be one who is active in our lives, but sitting in the middle of the church is the Godhead. Sitting in the middle of the church is the Father, is the Son, and is the Holy Spirit. And the Son looks down on us and he says, that's my church, that's my body, I died for that body, and I'm giving them everything I possibly can be. So don't let's dream about ourselves as an ordinary church. 
don't let's dream about ourselves as a committee, as a group of people just like the local football club because we are a different community. We are totally different. Alienation has been completely banished. And in him you too are being built together, being built together. Not already built, but it's a process. Let's think about a conclusion for a moment. Significant changes have happened that have made us access who God is and to allow him to operate in us so that we are now the evidence of the operation of God. We're God's family. He's our father. We call him father. Or some places in the scriptures they they say, Daddy, dear Daddy. That's the intimacy, just like a child coming into the presence of his father. Hello, Daddy. Alienation is banished. You believe you have any right for alienation in this church at all? You are wrong. Now, people of the Spirit live together to pursue the things of the kingdom because they are the evidence of the kingdom. Amen. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you've done. Sometimes it's just easy to look at, uh, at the cross and say, well, you know, Jesus died on the cross. Uh, and to talk about the experience, to look at the body, to look at uh, the cross, to look at, and to, to think about the practical event. But Lord Jesus, there's been so much transpired as a result of what you did. There is so much changed in our society. There has been so much built into who we 